Who's been enjoying this road trip series? Amen. Who's been on a road trip this summer? All right. Some of y'all need to get out. All right. I need to get out. Everybody else did. Why don't y'all go with them? I'm just playing. But but, uh, road tripping, uh, man, it, it it is a blessing, but yet sometimes a frustration, right? When you go on a road trip. And last week I brought in a friend of mine from uh, City Heart Church and there in Jackson, Mississippi, Pastor Kevin Reed, uh, not Kevin Reese. Some of y'all thought Kevin Reese was coming back, uh, but it was Pastor Kevin Reed. And uh, he taught us last week that, you know, how to wait without complaining, right? How when we're on a road trip, we, we can't be the complaining child in the backseat yelling, are we there yet? But sometimes we have to patiently wait on the Lord. And even though we may be stuck in traffic now, there's going to come a point where that traffic clear up and we're able to continue on our journey. But we need to learn to wait differently. And I've been working on that this week, asking the Lord to teach me how to wait differently because I, I am a visionary. I, I have vision and I'm always forward thinking. I'm thinking, what's next? I'm talking to our executive pastor and, and our team. And we met, we had an elders meeting this week. I mean, just an impromptu elders meeting because we're thinking ahead. We're trying to get ahead of some things as a church, as God began to add to the body. And um, man, I had to sit back and just say, Lord, I'm waiting. And waiting does not mean being lazy. Waiting means it's like a waiter. When a waiter is waiting on you, they're not being lazy. They're serving on the hopes that they'll get a reward at the end. Can I get amen? And so when we're on our road trip, we have to patiently wait on the Lord. But all trips are not created equal. And the church said, Amen. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Amen. It's not created equal. All trips are not created equal. They serve different purposes. All trips serve different purposes. The obvious thought when we hear road trip, we instantly think a leisure trip that we're going to have some fun. There's going to be let's say bon ton roule. You know, we're going we're gonna to go down and, and we're going to make this road trip and, and it's going to be fun. And the only time I get to take a road trip is when I'm going to on a vacation or to do something fun. But, but the truth is sometimes traveling is under the authority of another. So when we're traveling, it's not just, you know, us going on a leisure trip, but sometimes someone is sending us on a road trip. For instance, most people will consider truck drivers not as road trippers, but truck drivers are always road tripping. Right. When they load up, they're going on a trip and they're, they're, they're going on a distance, but they're going because someone sent them to accomplish a specific task or goal. Acts, and so I want to pick up with our road trip series, and we're talking about Paul in the New Testament, through the New Testament, and in Acts chapter 13, I know I gave you all like a prequel to his missionary journeys of the, uh, I think I have a map in the back of my Bible, let me see. E- nope. There's no, why did they stop putting maps in the Bible? But anyway, um, but the maps in the back of your Bible showing the Pauline missionary journeys. And, and so I gave you guys a lead up to it. I started from Damascus and said that was the initiation of his journey. And he ran into detours and things that was in his life. But the detour was really putting him on the right path that he was supposed to be on because he thought he was supposed to be going in a certain direction. But God had to change his direction and send him in the right direction. So 
I want to pick up on what is listed as his first missionary journey. And this starts in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, give me a what, what? If you have your iPhone, say what, what? If you don't have neither, turn to the screens and say what, what? All right, we'll put it up there for you. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch in Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, that's funny, (laughs) Lucius from Cyrene, That's in the Bible. I didn't make that. I didn't put that in there. That's not Pitt's emphasis, okay? Cyrene and Manaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Verse 3. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Verse one through three. Notice that they were all gathered, hanging out, doing what they do, doing what we don't like to do, which is fasting. We'll pray, but fasting and praying. And then the Holy Spirit begins to speak and it says, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the work, special work that I have for them. They laid their hands on them and sent them out. So road trips aren't always optional, but they are missional, which brings me to my title of this road trip is I'm on a mission. Come on, look at someone in your row and say, I'm on a mission. Come on, look at somebody else and say, I'm on a mission. All right, so what is a mission? What is a mission, Pastor? Mission is this. Mission is the divine activity of sending intermediaries, whether supernatural or human, to speak or do God's will so that his purpose for judgment or redemption are furthered. Listen, a divine activity of sending intermediaries, whether supernatural or human, to speak or to do God's will so that his purposes for judgment or redemption are furthered. You see, the biblical concept of mission comprehends the authority of the one who sins. Make that plain, Pastor. The biblical concept of mission means that I understand that I'm not doing this because I chose. Wow. Wow. Come on. Um, there's a lot of jobs I would have chose before being a pastor. I'm serious. As a matter of fact, I tried them. Didn't work. But because there was a mission in my life, God interrupted my life, divine interruption, and allowed me to go on the right path or tune into the right frequency to do the right things that God called us to. The obedience is from, is for the one who received the sent message from the authority. So I have to be obedient to God. Do you understand obedience? See, sometimes we want to fight God and box with God and see if God, if I can get around it when God speaks to us. But then we have to sometimes, like I said earlier, get to a point to where we submit to the perfect will of God and allow God to give us direction and lead us in the right direction. Paul's first missionary journey did not come from a planned roadmap. 
He didn't lay out the map and say, this is where I'm going to go. This is what I want to do. This is the neighborhood I want to conquer. This is the person I want to reach. Well, you know, I'm only going to reach people that look like me. I'm only going to reach people that act like me. I'm only going to reach people with a degree. I'm only going to reach people that live in my neighborhood. No, he, 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 did, he probably could have laid that out, but he did not. He waited until he heard from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit sent him to where he needed him to be at that appointed time. How many of us are patiently waiting for God to send us? <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> If I was to go to a church planning organization, the last place they would tell me to put down roots is right here in St. Gabriel. It w they would. But how you know, how many of you know that when the Holy Spirit speaks, you got to go where he sends you? You have to go where he sends you. Uh, and, and so you, you, we're, we're right where we are supposed to be because the Holy Spirit will send you. And you're like, well, you may be too far for them. You may be too close for them. You may be this. You may be this. No, the Holy Spirit will send you where he needs you the most. Yes. So that job that you're on that you complain about, remember, it was a sent message yesterday. Wow. And you just got so frustrated with the work of the mission that you forgot your planet where you're supposed to be planted. And you're, you're, you're forsaking the ministry of that position. That marriage that you're complaining about today, well, it was a blessing yesterday, remember? And now you forgot the mission of that relationship that you were supposed to model the relationship of Jesus and his church in your walk with your marriage. And we forgot, so now it's beginning to deteriorate. Somebody say, I'm on a mission. Write this down or take a picture of it. Understanding the heart of the one who sent you will give you the drive to fulfill the mission. That's why we have to seek the heart of the Father. We have to go after him with reckless abandon and pursue him. I love that song. I will build my life upon your life. My kid's going to talk about me because I always start off in soprano. <laughs> For foundation. Ow! <laughs> but we have to make sure that we build our lives upon what God says and what he wants and what he desires and what he leads us into and what he tells us to do. And we build our lives upon it because we have to come to the point to where we say, God, what is your heart for this generation? God, what is your heart for this community? God, what is your heart for my children? God, what is your heart for these relationships that you have given me influence in? God, what is your heart for this job that you have given me? And, and seeking to understand the heart of the one that sent you will give you the fuel and the drive to fulfill that mission. When everyone else is quitting, you have a little bit more in the tank because you understand God's heart for broken humanity. You understand God's heart for, for people who feel like they are, are left behind and denigrated and talked about and walked on. And, those, and so when you see uh, the pain of humanity, your heart begins to break and you don't abandon pain, but you dive head first into the trauma of human, of human and mankind and you dive in and you look for an answer. Yes. Because there are people who are hurting. 
people who have been uh, lied on, people who have been walked out on, people who have been physically abused. There are people, and right here in this room, that may have those issues or endured those issues and, and feel shame because of those issues. And God is saying, if you understand my heart, you'll embrace the mission to bring them hope. Can I get an amen? Proverbs 18 and 2 says this, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Fools have no interest in understanding. I want to understand why did Jesus give his life for me? Like, I mean, I know me and you know you. Come on, keep it real. You know you, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, Lord, have mercy. We were, in rally, we were in rally today, and we were singing that song, I never know how much it costs to see my sins up on that cross. And, and, and we were singing that in rally, and that song always moved me emotionally. We were at home singing it. I was playing this morning on the keyboard, and, and we were singing it at home this morning. And uh, I was singing that song, and, and it always gets me because I want to understand what manner of love did he have? To look out at me and say, I'll die for him. I'll give my life for him. I'll suffer all sorts of atrocities for him. Do you ever think of it that way? It's because we've made the gospel a third person thing. And we read it as it, it happening for my neighbor, is happening for someone else. But don't you know he died for you? The way that you are, yes, doing the things that you've done. I love the way the writer writes. He says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Yeah. I want to understand that kind of love so I can live his love out loud amongst all of the people that God has put in my sphere of influence. Amen. Yes. Paul's journey goes. Paul's journey gives us an example of submission to the authority of the Holy Spirit. When we see this journey take place, we see Paul's submission to the authority of the Holy Spirit. Write this down. Obedience to the word of God is the foundation for a successful mission in life. Obedience to the word of God is the foundation for a successful mission in life. But how can you be obedient to what you don't know? You can't be obedient. You will be ignorant. And ignorance does not exempt you from the penalty of the law. Ooh. Oh, uh, I didn't know the speed limit. <laughs> Ticket. <laughs> Don't call me. <laughs> Wait, my pastor. I call my pastor. Hold on one second. Some of y'all didn't use me to get out of tickets. I know y'all have, but it's all good. Um, well, Corey. Corey, I know you're watching online. You've... <laughs> We love you, Corey. <laughs> but we have to make sure that we understand so we can be obedient to the word of God. Spend time in the word. Make sure you are reading the word of God for yourself, not just on Sunday morning. Can I get amen? amen. How many of you own a Bible? How many of you Bible, if you do this... <laughs> no, I took your Bible. It's clean. <laughs> Not the rest of them. 
But we have to make sure that we're reading the word of God that we can understand so we can be obedient to it. So we can live a life that is fruitful. Matthew 26, 39 says this. He went on a little further and bowed and bow with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Remember I said I want to know what made him give his life for me. He went on a little further and he bowed his face to the ground praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. And then he answers himself and said, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. When we're submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit, whatever is facing us, we're willing to go through it. We're willing to fight through it. I'm not going to live by what my lack of 2020 vision allows me to see. I will walk by faith and not by sight. Last week, Pastor Kevin said, waiting is our will uh, working in his will. And we need to make sure that we submit our will to the will of God and allow the will of God to come to fruition in our lives. And then we'll start seeing blessings, not just on us, but to those who are attached to us. That's when we can make statements like, my children will be blessed. My children, children will be blessed. My neighborhood will be blessed. My community will be blessed. My church will be blessed. My state will be blessed. My nation will be blessed. The world will be blessed. Why? Because I am submitting my will to God's will. And when your will is in God's will, God does not show up empty-handed. God shows up and he wants to, oh man, he says, I come that you may have and that life more abundantly. But if we're not submitted to his will, what's the result? And if we don't know the word of God, we're walking beneath our potential. Touch your neighbor and say, you have potential. You have potential. You have potential. You have this potential in your life. So we have to make sure we're staying on mission. So how to stay on mission? Since you asked, I'll answer. Thank you. Anchor fam, you asked, so I'm answering. How to stay on mission? Number one, you have to choose your companions wisely. Choose your companions wisely. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. Become wise by walking with the... Become wise by walking with the... Hang out with fools and you'll watch your life fall to pieces. But they're my friend, pastor. Listen, Paul was in the company of men who were seeking the same thing he was. They all were fasting. They all were praying in Acts chapter 13. They all were fasting. They all were praying. They all were fasting. They all were praying. He was not hanging out with people that did not have the same mindset. He, he made sure we must realize that we not only affect people, but toxic people infect us. Oh, I'm strong. I, I got it. Yo, your mission is not the strip club. You're nasty. Come on. But pastor, I feel called. Yeah, right. Let me check your pockets. You got dollars all in your pockets. Oh, this 
I'm going to write a message on the dollar and give it. Yeah, right. Well, pastor, I feel drawn to the crack house. You just was on crack yesterday. You're not supposed to be there. You can't go hang out with them because their toxicity will infect you. We have to be careful who we surround ourselves with. Like I just told you, I have Pastor Kirk and his wife. I keep people like that around me. Because I know I'm going to have to stay on the straight and narrow. Can I get amen? I keep people like Jared. I keep people like Ryan around me. Ryan. I keep Ryan Roten. I keep Ryan Barber. I keep Ryan Williams. I I can go on and on and on about all these Ryans in the church. But I keep people like that around me because I need to make sure that I'm living up to my potential. People that are going to hold me accountable. People that's not going to let me fall below the standard. And sometimes we want to get around people that live below the standard so we don't have to live up to it. As long as I'm better than them, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. And so we make people our measuring stick. If I'm your measuring stick, you're falling short. Jesus is the great example. I know we call him the bishop, the bishop of souls, the roles of Sharon, the great I am. But I like to call him the great example. He's the great example and he's my standard He is what I try to live up to. He says, be holy for I am holy. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like the next preacher on television. I don't want to be. I want to be like Jesus. And in Jesus, my individuality shines. And and then when I get around Jesus lovers, my individuality begins to come together. The Bible says that we are all lively stones fitly joined together. With Christ being the chief cornerstone. And when I get around other people, we become like Voltron. For my old people. Okay, the mighty Morphin Power Rangers for the newer generation, I guess. <laughs> I'll form the legs. Yeah, 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 that's, I'm dating myself. <laughs> but I, I want to be a part of the body of Christ, which is the body of life-giving people who don't tear the world to shreds in the name of Jesus. We cannot become the infection. Do you hear me, church? Do you hear me online? We cannot become the infection and we cannot allow. Here it is. This is why my kids run my social media account. So everyone's like, I sent you a message on social media. Well, blame my daughter. She didn't check it. All right. And but but they run my social media account because I know me. I'll see a comment online and I'll feel a certain type of way. Amen. (laughs) Put my glasses on the end of my nose. And then I start acting a certain type of way based off how I feel. And then before you know it, I become toxic. I never forget one day I went posting crazy online and uh, my wife called me from work and she was like, get off social media. (laughs) You remember that? Like, get off. I was like, I didn't post anything wrong. I post scripture. Oh, no, that's scripture. That was a Bible bullet. That did not encourage anyone. You put the dagger right through somebody's heart with that one. She was like, get off there now. Go delete the post right now because they know you're talking about them. I'm coming for you. (laughs) Y'all pray for me. I'm getting there. I'm getting better. 
That's why I don't do it. I just don't do it. Because I understand that I can be infected. I'm not that strong. Can I get amen? So number one, choose your companions wisely. Number two, don't forsake your spiritual disciplines. I know this is not something we teach anymore in church, but I want to make sure that we are a church that is spiritually disciplined. First Timothy four, seven through eight says this, stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit both today and forever. We no spiritual flabbiness, please. No spiritual flabbiness. We have to exercise and work. I was telling Aaron Dalton, who's back hanging out with us. I love you, son, with all my heart. But Aaron is hanging out with us, and hopefully he moved back from Dallas. I mean, Houston, whatever. But we love you. You're prospering there. We, we just miss you. But um, he, he walked up, and I was like, ooh, that boy looks strong. It's like, man, you done went out there and started eating quinoa and kale and working out with the frou-frou people in Houston, and you're looking real good. He was like, yeah, man, I, got, I lost 12 pounds, and I got some of these. That's what he told me. We got some of these. And uh, I was like, wow, that, that is so cool that, you know, what a little working out can do. You'll be shocked what a little spiritual working out can do. You see, they were worshiping and fasting uh, and the word of God came to them because we cannot stop working out spiritually in these last days. I know that COVID kind of uh, perpetuated the stereotype that we don't need fellowship anymore. You know, that we don't need to get together. I can do it on my own. And if we're honest, if we're honest, I heard an old preacher say this. He said, he was like, why do you pray all the time in service? He was like, because I know this is the only time they're going to pray. They say they're praying, but they're not praying on the week. I mean, why do you read so much scripture on Sunday? Because this is the only time they're going to read the scripture. I have to make sure that they read the scripture throughout the day, throughout the week. And this may be the one time that they get to hear the scripture. I want us to be those who go home and we have a disciplined life of praying, worshiping, fasting, reading. Come on. Fellowshipping making sure that we're, we're spending time with the Lord, meditating. We have to keep these spiritual disciplines, evangelizing, discipling, making sure we keep in the spiritual disciplines close to our lives. And we can't just be, you know, um, I have my, my physical therapist here and we work out and they're always talking about me because it's like, I can tell what workouts you've been doing when I come in. Like you've been doing a lot of upper body, haven't you? You know, because and then your upper body. I don't want to be the guy with the big upper body and the little lower body. You know what I'm talking about? They be walking around the gym, barely be able to keep themselves up, you know? I mean, but they big up top, you know? I mean, y'all laugh at that person, you know? So in, in our spiritual walk, we don't want to be the one that puffs ourselves up with just knowledge, but we want application, right? We want a well-balanced spiritual life when we walk out these disciplines. Look at this quote. By Jerry Bridges. It says this spiritual disciplines are provided for our good, not for our bondage. They are privileges to be used, not duties to be performed. Privileges to be used, not duties to be performed. Some of you are like, oh, I got to read again this morning. Oh, I got to pray again this morning. No, it's a privilege. Man, I feel so much better when I spend time in the Word in the morning. 
Man, I'm telling I feel like I can face the world. I'll, man, I'll fight anybody. In it. I mean, just let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's get it. Amen? We must continue to work out our spirituality so we can have the strength to complete the mission God has set us on. Somebody say, I'm on a mission. So number one, we have to make sure we choose our companions wisely. Number two, don't forsake your spiritual discipline. Number three, stay focused on your mission. Stay focused on your mission. Romans 8, 5, Paul writes, he says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the what? Somebody say, I'm focused. The world is full of distractions, and we can easily lose focus. The world is full of distractions, and we can easily lose focus. The world is full of distractions, and we can easily lose focus. And if you're like me, ADD, you can easily lose What's that red light on the camera? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. But we have to be extremely honest with ourselves. The world is fighting for our attention. And it wants to distract you from the mission that God has put us on as the church, as the body of Christ, the believers, the, the, the ones who have the message of hope, the message of life. It wants to distract you, wants to pull you away, wants to pull you out of that. Give me, uh, come here, Arthur. Come here, uh, Ryan Roten. Give me, give me one more, one more guy, one more, one more. Who wants to come? Come on, come on, come on, come on. You scared? Come on, come on. Don't be scared. It's all right. All right. Come on, let's give them a hand as they come. It's all right, relax, man. I'm not gonna, Jesus, I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> all right, stand like stand right here, stand right here, stand right here. Y'all two gonna stand on this side. All right, gonna stand right here. All right, and I'm gonna stand right here. So this is this is why we have to be focused. I am not Jesus, but I'm gonna stand as a mouthpiece of Jesus. And I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to walk towards my voice. Come on, start walking. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Mm, he made it, right? He made it. Yeah. Yay. All right, go back. Now, this is what life does to us. This is, this is why we have to stay focused, and this is why we have to make sure we choose our companions wisely, and we have to make sure that we're surrounded by people and working on our spiritual disciplines, because spiritual discipline is like putting on those noise cancellation headphones. And so this time, I want y'all to scream and grab at them when you're walking, and I want you to keep your eyes closed, but I want you to turn your head wherever you hear their voice, okay? All right? So let's go. Come here, man. Come, come sit. Come here. Come here. Now, now you see the difficulty. Which one was easier? The first one. The first one was easier, right? Why, why was the first one easier? Because I didn't have any distractions. You didn't have any distractions and you could what? I could focus on you. And you could hear me clearly. Yes. 
because the world is fighting. Come on, fight with them, world. The world is fighting for them, and while the world is fighting, come on, make some more. I know, Arthur, you don't talk loud, but uh, there we go. There you go. But, uh, the world is fighting. <laughs> the world is fighting for him, but then while that is going on, what happens is the voice of Jesus becomes smaller. Because when he begins to turn his head, whatever you focus on becomes louder in your life. So are you focused on Instagram? Are you focused on TikTok? Are you focused on what's happening on CNN, Fox News, or whatever that's going on? What are you focused on? And so what happens is in the middle, I want you to yell Jesus in the middle, drop to your knees in the middle while they're fighting. Start back again and, and, and then start walking. When they grab it on you, drop to your knees and call Jesus. This is what happens when you keep your discipline. Jesus. Jesus comes, push this away, grabs them, and walk with you and pull you closer to your mission. Can I get an amen? Thank you, guys. Tighten up. So Proverbs 4.25 says this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. What lies before you? Don't turn your head to the left and right, trying to figure out things are fighting for you. Look, I'm getting dizzy right now. Because we're look-a-hooing, we're rubbernecking, we're, we're driving and rubbernecking and, and looking all over the place and then we find ourselves wrecked somewhere in the ditch in our lives. It's because we're focusing on others and their mission and we're looking at people highlights on Instagram and trying to compare our lives to them when God says, you're on your mission. Come on. What's your mission? And when we understand God, we walk those missions out. And man, it is beautiful in God's eyes. Write this down. Know that you are traveling in the authority of the power of the one who sent you. You have to know that I'm traveling in the power and the authority of the one that sent you. The reason I was able to come in between them and break it up was because I'm the one who told him to come to me. So it's my responsibility whenever he hit turmoil in the middle of his mission to show up and I'm responsible for grabbing him and walking with him all the way to the end. But some of us, we want to forsake Jesus in the fighting and in the turmoil. We want to, oh man, I can't believe Jesus allowed this to happen to me. I can't, I can't believe that he'll allow people to talk about me. I can't believe that he'll allow my spouse to act the way that they're acting. I can't believe that he'll allow me to lose my job. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. And, and Jesus is on the other side. I need you to keep your focus and your gaze fixed on me because I am the authority. No matter what is happening to you, don't give them the power and authority to take you away from your mission. I will be there with you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. How many of you know that you're road tripping and Jesus is on a mission with you? Give God a shout of praise. He is deserving of it. He is worthy of it. Come on, stand to your feet right where you are. James 4, 7 says this. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. God does not send us on missions because of our abilities. 
God does not look at you and say, oh my God, he, he is able-bodied. He has all the tools. He is equipped. He's the best communicator. He's, he's the most poised. He is the, the, the most handsome. He, is, he, he got it going on and he has the right degree and, and they have it together and this is the one. They were homecoming queen. I, no, no, he doesn't say all that. But he sends us on mission because we said yes and we become obedient to his will. Somebody say this, say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's the whole goal, guys. Listen, if you don't get anything from me today, if you don't get anything, remember this one thing. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's the mission that we're on. And we'll complete that mission. So in closing, the enemy wants you to believe the mission God has sent you on is an impossible one. It's a mission impossible. But this is a lie, and the enemy is very convincing. He's convincing. He'll show you everything that's stacked up against you. I remember when I, I got into pastoring, I remember I could barely speak the English language. My kids go back and listen to old CDs and say, what in the world were you saying? I was like, I have no clue. I didn't know when to use were, was, has, had, and, and, or, or. I didn't know anything. And I was like, Lord, I, I can't do that. Anxiety, fear, PTSD, fighting all these crazy things. And God said, no, I called you to leave my church. And the enemy was screaming in my ear. As a matter of fact, I quit. I told y'all that story. I quit because I felt like I wasn't, my abilities were not adding up to the call. But the truth is God never promised that the work would be easy, but he did promise he would go with us on the mission. And so when y'all see me get ready to preach, I always kneel down over there and I ask the Lord to grab my tongue, use me as your vessel. Use me as your tool. Use me as something that you have, Lord. Lord, I, I'm not that good. I'm not the smartest, not the brightest. I'm not the best. But God, use me. Holy Spirit, I can't do it without you. This mission, you're the authority. You have to lead me. So I want to take this moment. You may be here today. And there's something daunting in front of you. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's your mission. It's not mine. It's your mission. I can talk about the corporate mission of the church, which is to go you therefore into all the earth, you know, preaching and teaching the gospel, baptizing those, you know, teaching them to deserve all that he taught us to do. Yes, that's what we're called to do. Anchor Chapel, our vision is simply this, to bring hope for every soul. How do we do that? Worship God passionately, love others compassionately, live purposely, give generously. That's what we do as Anchor Chapel. But I'm talking about you as an individual. Whatever that mission is, it may be hard. The enemy may have lied to you. The enemy may have been fighting with you. The enemy may have been coming against you, but I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit is the authority. And he's stepping into the middle of that pain, just like I stepped into the middle of that pain. And he's going to put his arm around you and walk with you. I don't know what it is today, but I want to pray for you. Can you just bow your heads and lift your hands? Father, I pray, God, for your glory and your anointing to fall upon your people. Father, I pray, God, the same 
drive that motivated Barnabas and Saul. God, I pray God will motivate them. Father, I pray, God, that your power and your word will come alive on the inside of them, that when the attack of the enemy come, God, they can call on the name that's above every name, the name that at the mention of it, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So, Father, I pray, God, that they know that they are not journeying alone, but, God, that you will be with them always, even until the ends of the earth, God. You said in your word, you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, I pray, God, that they will be uh, aware of of your presence, conscious of your anointing and, and, and authoritative in knowing that you have given them power. And Father, blow their minds away and let them get an understanding. Let them practice the disciplines in Jesus Christ's name. And everyone has agreed with this said, amen. Amen and amen. Come on, give God the best praise that you have. Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.